Welcome, my friends, to Scry Me a River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Dennis, we are back from our uh, respective trip to the United States. Uh, yeah, our gallivanting across the Atlantic Ocean, yeah. That's exactly right. We went from basically coast to coast as well, over in Seattle for the Command Fest, then uh, then to the, the MC and the, 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 Mythic Fe- the Mythic Fest? The Mythic Fest. <laughs> the Mythic <in> Fest. <laughs> yeah, we went all the way to the west and all the way back to the east. I even went to New York before Seattle, so I was just, I was ripping the Oregon Trail all week long, man. Uh, I'm glad you didn't die of dysentery. Me too. Um, that would have been that would have been a real bummer because I mean, uh, it would have been annoying to replace not only you know a, a podcast partner but also Dennis, a best mate. Oh well, that's very sweet of you, Riley. Very how are you, how are you recovering from your jet lag? Uh, I'm fine. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. Two days in, and I'm I'm firing on all cylinders. I had a rough one yesterday. Uh, that was the, that was. T- we're recording this on the Thursday. The Wednesday coming back. Who? She was a uh, she was a bit touch and go. Yeah, back. you were running but, on empty. Yeah, but all of a sudden, I just like slept for fourteen hours, and I'm just I'm just yeah up up and about once again. Well, it's amazing how you can how much better you feel after sleeping for fourteen hours straight. Yeah, it, it kind of is. It's the, it's the panacea, really. It'll solve everything. Um, speaking of solving everything, Dennis, uh, we are here to solve, as we said, your problems, the listener. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to get in touch and send in questions, queries, or quandaries, please do. We've had plenty of people do it so far, and, and you can uh, add your name to that exalted list. Best way to do it, on Twitter, at RadicalRetail for me. You can send in questions uh, to Dennis as well, at Stranjack. And of mm-hmm. course, our DMs are open. If you if you don't want to if you don't want to shout your shame from the rooftops, you can just slide into those DMs. Yeah, we'll take it on the DL in the DMs. <laughs> the DLDMs for your for those uh, those questions you don't want shared with the world, uh, but please do get in touch because uh, it helps us to uh, it helps us to have you know a, a bountiful a rich harvest of questions to choose from every week. Yeah, and and what's what's unique about this podcast? It's it's a little bit of give and take. You know what I mean? Like you mm. you you we give sage, useful. I would say objectively. Like manner from heaven, like advice here mm, mm, mm. that uh, we, we, people can. <laughs> I can't even keep it straight. That people can use to actively better their lives, such as what's happened to Andrew White, who went off and did a little bit of research following our last episode. <laughs> so we had a very important discussion last week. Very important, very earnest discussion. Listeners of the podcast will know that we talked about the relative power and toughness of different creatures, uh, which kicked off because of we were talking. What were we talking about? Be- uh, bears versus elks. The fact that three three yeah. elks would beat a two two bear. That a be- a be- uh, yeah, two two. A bear- bears are two twos. Elks are three threes. But bears are natural predators of elks. So how do we square that out? Doesn't make any sense. I also brought up the fact that a rhinoceros, which is a four four in magic would never beat a hippo, which is a 3-3. But Andrew White had a thing or two to say about that. I'm going to read what Andrew sent in, actually, because this this is very interesting. So, Andrew writes, During the bear versus versus elk discussion, it was brought up that a rhino, which is a 4-4, would beat a hippopotamus, which is a 3-3, in an arena unless... There was a humidifier in the room because, as we know, hippopotamus uh, hippopotamuses are based in water. They're, they're, you know, they're yeah, marine Yeah, it's energized by, 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 some, by some water in the air. Exactly. So if there's a humidifier present, then a, then a rhino uh, should lose to a hippo. Anyway, I was intrigued by the idea and I decided to try to work up some numbers. So here we, this, the, and, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, a maths warning coming in for people here. I'll, I'll just let you know that. Let's take a human's reach to be one meter and assume that to be the equivalent to a human's length. The arenas that humans fight in are the boxing ring and the MMA octagon. A boxing ring is about six meters on a side, and the octagon is about ten meters across. For our fight card, which is the hippopotamus versus the rhinoceros, <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, I think the uh, I think the extra walls uh, the octagon provides is likely important, and so we will use the ten meter number. A hippopotamus and a rhinoceros are each uh, about four meters in length, 
So scaling this to our new arena means that we have a 40 meter wide uh, octagon in which they can fight. I really like that that just as a mental image. Well, of course. Well, uh, in my head, Andrew put the the rhino and the hippopotamus in a normal like MMA octagon and was like, "Well, this will never do." Well, this will never. Do. This is <laughs> this, this can't is, possibly. Yeah, this can't possibly. Untenable. Um, a lot of my friends here in Glasgow. Well, well, uh, this isn't the end of Andrew White's thing, but I want to take a brief sidebar here because a lot of my friends here in Glasgow are quite into MMA, quite into mm-hmm. uh, into UFC and that sort of stuff. And um, I'm not hugely into blood sports like that. Um, and the blood main reason sports. is, well, I just I like. I just I see the two blokes. They go into the ring. They're battering each other. You know, they're they're just wailing on each other. You know, it, 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 it's 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 terrible, Dennis. Because if they just talked about their problems, I don't <laughs> think they'd need to fight. It really breaks my heart. If you just communicate with someone, you don't like. There's so many better ways to resolve conflict. Well, they have that show as well. That's just that's just Judge Judy. That's basically what that is, right? But that's what I'm saying. We don't need UFC when we could just go up in front of Judge Judy or just sit down, have a bit of a chat. Like there are mediation services available for these poor men. I don't understand why they have to be. There's each other something. Up. There's something. Now, I don't know. I was going to make a joke about how there's something like special about watching like two people try to kill each other, mm. but I actually don't know how I feel about MMA. No, I don't. I don't know. If, I mean, I can, you can make light of it, but I really don't know how I feel about about mm. martial arts and blood sports and that sort of stuff. It doesn't. It, it, there's some part of me that's like, I don't. I don't. I really don't like this. Anyway. We're, uh, we're talking about hippos and rhinos fighting, which is much more palatable here. Um, so the premise stated that if a humidifier was in the room, the hippopotamus would win for the purposes of magic. This obviously means the hippo would get plus two, plus two at least. Uh-huh. The 40-meter arena would have a 56.5-meter diagonal. This means that if the humidifier is within a 56.5-meter of the hippopotamus, it would get plus two, plus two. Assuming a linear relation to the water, the hippopotamus would get plus one, plus one within 113 metres and no effect if further than 169.5 metres away from the water or the humidifier. So this means, according to Andrew White, that a hippopotamus's power and toughness can be modelled as power and toughness equals 6 minus in brackets 2 over 11 times D. 2 over over 113. Oh, sorry. 2 over 113. Sorry. Yes. Power and toughness equals 6 minus 2, in brackets, 2 over 113 times D, where D is the distance to the humidifier. So, in summary, if the humidifier premise is correct, the rhinoceros needs the closest water source to be greater than 113 metres away in order to beat a hippopotamus. So, Dennis, we were talking before about actionable advice, and, uh-huh. and I think this, more than anything else, sums that up. If you are a rhinoceros that is looking to beat a, fi- beat a, hi- a hippopotamus in a fight and you are carrying around a portable battery-powered humidifier, ensure that it is at least 113 metres away or yeah. greater. If or if you're about you... to enter into a brawl with a with a hippo, you're going to want to hmm. scan the horizon, scan the savannah, and be like, ooh, watering hole over there, looks about 98 metres away, i got to haul ass. I got, I got, a, I got to scooch here. i got to, mm-hmm. I got to haul some tail and get over the other side, of, uh, get, get away from that watering hole. This is just beautiful. This is exactly the kind of the kind of engagement and the kind of dedication mm, I was hoping mm. for when we started this podcast. And I think Andrew White has played a belter here. Absolutely. I mean, you know, meaningfully improving people's lives with stuff like this. And and the mathematical, I mean, it's, it's beyond me. I'm just assuming it's correct. No, but, um, based on the premises he's laid out, the, the model is correct, yeah. I would I would say so. It's 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 almost it's it's quite it's Carsten esque in 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 how deep he's gone here. I'd say Dennis. Oh, I, I, can, I, I, I can't I can't get enough of the Carsten esque content personally. I can't get enough of the Carsten esque content, Dennis. Which rather neatly brings us to the ad for ChannelFireball.com, proudly sponsoring Scry Me a River. 
Um, I'm Your sure one-stop shop for um, Magic the Gathering mathematics, I suppose. I don't think there's a finer name in the game than Frank Carson for that. I really don't think there is. No one can hold a, can- a candle to the good doctor himself. And, of course, all of his articles hosted exclusively on ChannelFireball.com. Uh, in addition to all sorts of other wonderful free content and also some rather mediocre free content as well. Arena Boys, Scry Me a River. Oh, we get the full range. The, the, the full spectrum of Magic the Gathering content, yeah. No matter the quality of content you wish to consume, ChannelFireball.com has got you covered. Our first question, Dennis, comes to us from Jeffrey Poley. And Jeffrey asks... On the first podcast, you mentioned a rule in Casual Commander is don't bring your Soul Ring. I just built my first Commander deck and put in all the cards that I read were must-include cards. For example, Soul Ring, Command Tower, and Path to Exile being the main ones that every source said you had to include. Am I committing a major faux pas showing up to my first Commander games with Soul Ring, etc.? I don't think so. Did we say that? Did we say that that was the, uh, that, that was the line? I would have said that for sure. I don't, I really don't like Sol Ring. I have Here's a, the I thing, have a... though. Let, let's. I understand that you don't like Sol Ring, but like let's. Let, so let's let's imagine this um, hypothetical casual commander game that Jeffrey's showing up to, right? Okay. And I go to the prize wall at a Magic Fest, or I go to my local game store, and I pluck a pre a preconstructed a preconstructed commander deck off the wall, mm-hmm. and I crack it open, and that is what I use to play. Would you say that deck is casual commander appropriate? Absolutely, it is. But I think what what I think maybe I either said it in a, in a way that was unclear or. I, I don't know. Jeffrey's saying that I said that uh, a rule in Casual Commander is don't bring your Sol Ring. And I think that's more of a Riley Knight rule than a universal one because Sol mm-hmm. Ring is just the most played card in the format well, like, and it's like, not what, close. I'm, what I'm getting at is Sol Ring is in those precons. Yeah, exactly. And those precons, precons are not powerful. Those so, precons- what I, what, so I don't think it's actually a power level thing that's the issue. I think it's an interactivity and a fun level thing. So like you having a command tower in play, for example, lets you play your spells more reliably mm-hmm. everybody wants everybody to play their spells more reliably broadly speaking that is how the only way you can get a game of commander where everybody feels like they meaningfully contributed is if everybody did stuff right yes. and soul ring and command tower let you do that path also to an extent like to do that because it interacts with your opponent's things there's a big delta like even though command tower soul ring and path are powerful cards a card that's also powerful but oppressive is something like opposition or What's another oppressive card like Winter Orb or whatever? Like you I know mean, what I mean? You can you can go to channelfiber.com and now see a video with the five most obnoxious commander cards that some idiot exactly. put together. But uh, yeah, cards like Time Stretch, cards like Expropriate. We talked about Armageddon on that video. A bunch of other ones as well. Like that. I mean, they're they're straight out. But the thing is, my contention, and again, this is me. I'm not speaking for the broader commander community. I hate Sol Ring. I don't think it should be. I, I don't think it should exist. I don't like it either, honestly. But it is a key part of the format. Yeah, it is a mainstay of the format. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a defining feature of the format, and I don't think Jeffrey's off base showing up with a commander. Only here's the thing: I don't think Jeffrey's off base showing up with a soul ring in his deck because I think everybody else is likely to have one too. Now yes. you could argue that the table would be better off if nobody had them, and that's my point. Which is fine, and yeah. I think that might that like that that's a. I mean, hit us up on Twitter about this. This is a, this is something people debate about a lot. I've seen about whether or not soul ring should be banned in commander. Uh, I, do you think it's too late for that? I mean, it's... It's, it's never going to be banned. It's never, ever, ever going to so be either. banned. It's in every pre-con. I mean, it's just, it's you know, it's got the the, the new art foil treatment at the, uh, the it's, as the Command Fest promos. Uh, it, it's, it's a huge and a very integral part of the format, especially if you want to play spiky, competitive EDH, which a lot of people really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But... The reason I included this question is because I actually do want to get to some advice here. This is And this isn't necessarily just aimed at Jeffrey, but this is aimed at everyone who enjoys a casual game of Commander. Try out 
not having soul ring in any of your decks. And I'm talking not just you, I'm talking your entire playgroup. Make a mutual agreement to ban soul ring at your, in, at your commander table. And just see how the, the, the format changes. See how the texture of it changes. Cause as soon as anyone plays a soul ring, that, the, the whole game is about that. If you play a turn one soul ring, that's it. You are public enemy number one. It now becomes a three on one until you've decided that they've been punished enough for playing it. Right. And it just, yeah. it, it, it's, it's almost like a different variant of, of, of commander itself whenever that comes up. I, I don't like it. The other, the I don't other think thing- I like it either. Honestly, like whenever I play a soul ring, I like, here's the thing. Here's something I think about a lot, which is like net happiness when i mm. when i play a soul ring the happiness i feel for like getting ahead is not equal to the the disdain that the other three or however many opponents feel louise talks about this sometimes when or else talks about this when talks about um playing the credit card game at lunch yeah so you know what the credit card game is yes so let's say four of you go to lunch together and you all put in your credit card at the end to pay for lunch and the server will pick one at random and that person buys everybody lunch and if you have lunch with the same people over and over again on base you're averaging out paying about the same right because uh, you, you, your expected value is zero, you just have to play for long enough, and yes, you will, yeah, you will you'll, approach you'll, breaking you'll, yeah, even all the time. Exactly, but the thing is, you'll approach exactly approach breaking even on money. But the win case is, hey, I got a free lunch, which feels great. Yes, and the lose case is, I bought my friend's lunch, which isn't the end of the world, provided you can afford it or whatever, right? And I think this is a similar thing where I, th- or rather, well, what I mean is this tips the opposite way. Yes, it's, where, it's the exact inverse. Actually. Exactly, where I'm angrier when somebody else has a soul ring than I am happy when I have a soul ring. Well, also, I mean, playing a soul ring generally, as a, as I say, generally ends in you getting just absolutely rump-a-dump by the rest yep. of the table, which is not a fun experience for anyone, really. So I I just, there's another reason, there's another thing to it as well, Dennis. There's another reason I don't like soul ring. It means that, that whenever you build any actual any commander deck, your deck size is actually ninety nine, not a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean because it's the same with, because it's such an auto include. Yeah. I think that's I, I understand what you mean by that, but I don't, I don't think that's a meaningful restriction. I think that's fine. Like ninety eight is still such a huge. Yeah, but then the thing like is, there's fine. command tower, there's arcane signet, there's all these other cards that when you're in a if you if you're playing green, you have to play cultivate. It just eats into that. It eats into the available deck space of any. It of makes any, them look a little more homogenous. That's true. Which I don't like. I don't think that should be a built-in, ingrained part of the format. It's a little different with Command Tower because Command Tower objectively just makes for better games of Magic. But when you're taking up non-land slots with cards like Sol Ring and and whatever else, I'm I'm just mm-hmm. not a fan. And look, I'm very ready to be called out on this, and I'm very ready for people to say that I'm I'm way off base. But this is after you know hundreds of hours of playing commander with my friends. This is after experiencing all the different sort of spots on the on the spectrum when it comes to games of commander, from from very very spiky win at all costs to you know casual. I want to do my thing and I don't care if I lose. And I found what suits me. And from my experience, and if this doesn't apply to our listeners, that's fine. But from my experience, playing without soul ring in the group it has just has been incredible. So much better. So if you were to invent Commander from scratch today, Riley, would you just mm. not ha- would you ban Sol Ring from the beginning? I just wouldn't have Sol Ring as part of the format. I don't think it's just too good. It's, too, it's like it's on pa- it's on it's on par with power, really. In it, when you're drafting Vintage Cube, I oh, think it's only- better than half the power. Like it's way better than Time Twister. It, you, well, no, no, I think it's better than every single card in Magic except for Ancestral and, and actual literal Lotus. I think it's better than uh, I think Library might be better than it as well. Okay, so we're we're talking Vintage Cube, pack one, pick one, and you've got mm-hmm. Lotus Library. Uh, ancestral and soul ring. I think I'd take library or above ancestral. lotus. Yeah, lotus is. So I think soul ring's better than lotus. I think. I mean, I I think I think soul ring comes in third behind lotus ancestral. I I, I think library is high, way higher. No, dude, no way. Like library on the play is just library on the play is a real stinker. Why? 
Well, what do you do? Just not play a land? No, you play library. Okay. You untap. On turn two, you draw. You have seven cards. You activate library. Okay. You play a land. I guess this is... I don't know, yeah. my, during, during my brief tenure playing Vintage, I was always just thinking I was... Like, cause you well, I'm talking play, Vintage Cube. Like, Library yeah. and Vintage Cube is just a one-sided um, uh, Howling Moon. Yeah, that it's is insane. true. It is, anyway, I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, a very good card. We, yeah, and there's another piece of actionable advice. When you're drafting Vintage Cube, take Library very highly. That's a sort of exclusive insight that people can only yeah, yeah. get from Scrimey River. I think to bring this thing full circle, Jeffrey, I do not think you're committing a faux pas no. by showing up to your first commander against the Sol Ring. Or indeed with a command tower or a path to exile, because everybody expects that from the format. Now, whether exactly. you think people should expect that, whether the format would be better off without them, is a different question. But I think you're well within the realms of what people expect a casual game of commander to be by putting cards like Sol Ring, Command Tower, and Path to Exile in your deck. I think you're less like that by putting things like maybe Expropriate or Smokestack or Armageddon in your deck. But I think what you've listed, the examples you've listed here, I feel you're absolutely fine with. Absolutely fine with it. But I will say once again, and, and this isn't just for Jeffrey, this is for anyone else who's listening to playing Commander, try a house ban on Sol Ring and see, see, just see what you think of it. Because you, I, I, I will hazard a guess and say you'll find the games to just generally be more enjoyable over time. Dennis, I don't know if you saw uh, early in the week, I, I posted a, a question on, on Twitter asking about uh, Magic Faux Par. Uh, which which kind of relates what to what Jeffrey was saying about uh, in Commander, but I was I was sort of widening the aperture. I asked people what the what the biggest faux pas in Magic was, and uh, I was amazed by uh, just how many people share one of my biggest gripes uh, when it comes to playing Magic. This this one really gets me. I do this. Oh man, and I don't I think do. I've actually I don't think I've drafted with you, so I haven't seen this. But <sighs> Millie Ferg Blaster. Peter Grosvenor Attridge, uh, whose name, by the way, on Twitter is at BogdogMTG. There's a lot to talk about there. Good. Uh, Zyla, Andrew Hill, Matteo Babio, Mad Moses, who's... I, I, I actually enjoyed this. Uh, Mad Moses, uh, their Twitter name uh, is at Mad Moses Public. A moment. Is there a Mad Moses Private? I would really like to see what's on Mad... That, that's there. I, that's I'm the, investing. On I'm the Mad Moses Premium Snapchat. I'm wondering yeah, what's yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, get, it doesn't you, exist. You get exclusive insight into how the Red Sea was parted and that bush that was on fire. Mate, we can snap this up. This is a, this is an unclaimed Twitter account. Mad Moses private. Yeah, and just stitch Mad Moses up. Yeah. Oh yeah, this would be very good. Anyway, Lewis McLeod, Leanne Hinch, a bunch of other people as well have talked about how they cannot stand talking at a draft table. So clarify what you mean by this a little bit. Okay, I don't mind if you're sitting there having a chat about you know. I don't know what you had for lunch or the latest sports ball exploits or whatever else they're like that. The stuff that I cannot stand is the, whoa, how is this still in the pack? Okay, or, well, I hate, I hate that too. Like, I'm or, not going to... Yeah. Oh, this card is so good. Or like fifth pick, you're like, oh, man, just what I was looking for. What I don't like you, that. What are you doing at this point? You're having a one-sided conversation. It's like me coming to you, Dennis, and saying like, oh, Dennis, mate, you're not going to believe what happened to me on the way home yesterday. And you go, oh, what is it? And I say, I- I'm going to tell you in about 15 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fair. Oh, it winds me up to no end. I shouldn't be saying this because every time I sit down to draft now from now on, everyone's just going to be doing it. So here's the thing. Um, drafting at my, like the local game store I used to go to, and I still mm. go to, but I used to go more often. Is uh is quite small, so more often than not, I would be reasonably close friends with everybody in my pod. Okay, 
And when we drafted like that, like, I'd pick a card and I'd put it down on my pile. And, like, Steve would be sitting next to me. And, like, he'd see that I was chucking my pick. And he'd be like, and he'd just lean over and look at the top card of my pile and be like, oh, why are you stepping? But, like, it was very, very loose. Yeah. Um, what, where it got tricky, though, was if I knew, let's say, six of the eight of us were close friends. Yeah, and I don't want we don't I don't want to be two. exclusionary. Yeah. I don't want to push a dynamic that there's other people people are uncomfortable with. Yada yada yada. But like I, we we got to the point where we were treating it like we were drafting at a kitchen table when we weren't really we were drafting at a game store. And there's a there's a distinction there. There so is. And I, I, is, I yeah gone. No, like even when I'm drafting at home with with friends casually, I hate it when people start talking about what they're drafting at the table because they're not they're not really actually imparting any information other than like like it's just a tease. It's just oh. it's just this useless stream of information that means nothing. I just remembered something. I just remembered okay. something very embarrassing. So okay, the first time I went to draft in a game store, this would have been back just before Return to Ravnica. So what was that? What's that? Uh, Twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so around about then. Yep. The first time I went to draft in a game store, I remember looking it up, like, how does a draft work in real life? Because I drafted mm-hmm. on Magic Online only. Right, right, right. And it was like, okay, well, you're not allowed to communicate with other people. You're, you're, what you're doing here is actually against the rules, I believe, isn't it? Well, I mean, we're you're not talking about the people. What's in so, the first packs. of all, we should frame this discussion by saying we're talking about it, you know, at a casual REL. Not right, obviously right. anyone who's doing this at competitive and. Uh, and professional is is obviously going to be shown the door well, of course, very quickly. That's different. So I, but, I went and looked it up, and like you're not basically people were like you're not supposed to like communicate with each other. But and then they kept talking about reading signals and sending signals, which yes. is now which I now know to mean like oh there's not very many red cards in this pack, or oh it's a, this is a fifth pick premium removal spell, which means no one's in black to my left yada yada. I thought. And I, I'm not. I was too old oh, to no. think this. I oh, thought no. people were sending like baseball pitcher signals, oh, like tugging like their glasses, signals. rubbing their nose to like communicate <laughs> to each other. I genuinely thought that was what was going to happen. And when I got there and realized that wasn't what was going on, I was thrown for a loop. So like you, you were expecting everyone to be like a SWAT team, sort of like doing yeah, all the yeah. hand signals, like moving around. Like, like, like if, I, if I if I tap if I tap two fingers on the table, that means I'm not in blue. Like yeah. Oh. And you, and you, oh man, that must have been so perplexing for you. Seeing anything like, oh man, how do I learn all that? How do I learn all these signals? It's is it regionally yeah. based or is, is it, it like you know, a playgroup thing? And exactly. then you, you know, when I started drafting, you know, what my first thought was gone. Man, these signals are way more subtle than they thought they were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she just scratched her. Nose. Oh, she's adjusting her hat. Okay, yeah, that, oh, is that a, oh, I'll have to ask her later what that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. I mean. I the signal the signaling part of it you know when reading packs out reading signals from a, from a pack and all that sort of stuff whatever that's an actual magic skill that you need to that you need to have certainly one that I'm not very good at but when you're when the people at the table are signaling verbally about oh yeah it's just at worst annoying and at best uh, sorry at best annoying and at worst actively rude it's it's awful don't do this. Don't do this thing. If you're listening and you're one of these people who talks nonsense at a draft table about the actual draft itself, stop. Stop doing it. It's the worst. Yeah, like, I I, I, I feel bad because I do do this kind of thing when I'm drafting with friends, but I feel like we all know that that's what we bought in for and that's fine. No, but may, dude. But, but, but no, I'm, also worried that the, I'm also worried that the people who I look at when they do this, I'm like, oh, so-and-so is being so annoying. I'm like, maybe he feels the way I feel when I'm doing it. So maybe I am just being a jerk. I, I'm telling you now. Even if we were just drafting casually at my place, with a, like we got a box or whatever, we just ripped it open. I man, I would I would be telling you to to shut your god because 
it, it is so because it doesn't add anything, right? It's not. A, it's no. not. It's not. It's like you, you you open a card. You're like, wow, this I just oh this card's amazing for my deck. It's like right. I don't know what your deck is. Yeah, I don't, I know don't what the do card that. Is. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't like. Here's the thing. Like like I hate, and this is a this is a this is not just specific to drafts either. I hate conversation that is exclusionary of people within the group. And this happens to me a lot if I'm hanging out with like a, a large group of friends where some of yeah. us, for example, play magic and some of us don't. Yeah. And if people start talking about magic, I hate that. Yeah. I'm like, please stop. Like, you know, Sally and Dave and Francis or whatever don't know anything about magic. And yeah. we're just going to sit here in 45, for 45 minutes talking about Pioneer while they're wondering, like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, they're, they're wondering and, why, where, where we're going to, like, get our pickaxes and, and exactly. prospecting Exactly, and this, hats is, this and, is even further, where if I pick up a Goblin Warchief, I'm like, ooh, this is great for the Goblin deck I'm drafting. Everyone at the table has no idea what I'm talking about except for me. Yeah, so exactly. I, I I don't do that. I do not. I do not. Like my, I agree. My, my, one of my most hated phrases is "How is this still in the pack?" And I don't. That, do that. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Chatting at the draft table is fine if you're just chatting about whatever. Yeah. But talking about the actual draft, doing the "How is this still in the pack?" thing. Oh man. Oh, it tells well, how, me, it tells how is me this like still a in the pack machine. has subtext because it's not just "How is this still in the pack?" It's like, "Ha! Huh, I'm smarter than all of you." People. Yes. Wow, you're an idiot. You should yeah, have taken yeah. this card. Yeah, yeah, man, I hate it. I just hate every inch of it, and I'm so glad that there are so many people who who are backing me up on Twitter with this thing. Because, I mean, there was a lot to emerge from that thread. Maybe we'll touch upon some of the other stuff in uh, in in later episodes. But he, I mean, here's the advice. Here's again the grand sweeping takeaway. The 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 actionable advice. Don't do this thing. If you're one of these people who's asking how's it similar pack, just don't. Instead of saying mm-hmm. something, say nothing. Yeah, I think I misunderstood because in the notes you just written talking at the at the draft table because you've obviously compiled this from a million different tweets. Mm. But um, yeah, I I I think I agree. I I hate that too. Man, I hope people don't think I'm a jackass now. <laughs> Our next question comes to us from Lachlan Fraser, Dennis, and Lachlan asks, "My friend thinks he's much better than he is and gets unbelievably salty whenever he loses to someone he thinks he deserves in quotes to beat." How do I explain to him that he isn't as good as he thinks he is and that luck and variance are real things you have to deal with in magic? This is a great question because I think yeah. we all know this guy. Have you encountered this? I was about to ask. Do you have, oh, you, yeah. you have this happen oh, to you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say any of my good friends are like this because I think like attracts like. And one of the great things about magic is that it does really encourage you to examine yourself and be critical of your own mistakes and, and, and take responsibility for mm-hmm. what you get wrong. But, I mean, anyone who's ever played an F&M will, will have come across uh, a player like this who just doesn't have enough self-awareness to realize that they're kind of bad. It's not even that. Like uh, uh, this happened to me once. So there was a guy at my local game store, and we were playing. And I think it was a, it was either it was some large, relatively large steel tournament. I can't remember if it was a pre-release or a PTQ or something. But anyway, I had done rather well. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes up to me towards the end of the tournament. And he's like, "Oh, how'd you do?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm X and one, whatever. I just crushed Andrew in our last game, or whatever it was." And he was like, "Oh, just like um, got really lucky, did you?" And I was like, "No, like it was fine." He's like, "Oh, he got like he like just drew two lands and didn't draw any more." And I was like. No, I just played better cards in a better order, and then I won the game. Wow! Like he was extend he was extending his insecurity about his play into a game he wasn't even playing it. That is very aggro. That's a really weird line to take with it because usually it's just like a, uh, oh yeah, my opponent got really lucky and I didn't draw. The, you know, and they had this and they had whatever. The, oh, like that. You know, it's it, they never. I've never seen the projection move. Yeah, that's a, that's he, a bold he, move. He. he he didn't even think, he wasn't even, like, like Lachlan's example here, it wasn't like just, oh, I'm so much better than this person, the only way I could have lost was through, you know, uh, some machinations of the fates or whatever. Mm. What, this was like, 
I think Dennis is so bad, the only way he could have possibly won <laughs> is if he got very, very lucky. And I was like, all right, man. That's some real shade that was thrown at you, my dude. I'm, yeah, very, sorry, I'm very sorry to deal with that. In my experience, though, it's like it's like a curve. So, like, if you imagine, like, joyfulness as a person, we can say, or, like, jerkishness is yes. the x-axis. Yes. And the y- oh, sorry, is the y-axis. And the x-axis is skill level at magic. Yeah. When you're not very good at magic, you're generally, like, a pretty good, pretty nice person. Yep. And then, I think it's called the Levine Trench, isn't it? I think it's named after Eric Levine. I think, I think this is an established thing in magic. Yeah, it goes down and down and down as you get to, like, the sort of F&M N-Boss uh, yeah, PTQ right, grinder right level. Right before grinder, like. Yeah, and then, and yeah. then no, no, I think once you get past grinder, once you get to, like, GP circuit, type, kind of like people who are cashing or day twoing JP, uh, GPs regularly, it goes right back up. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is Eric Levine, our own Eric Levine, who writes the the Commander newsletter here on uh, channelfarble.com, um, who who drew this graph that I'm talking about, and it's exactly right. Where the you get worse and worse and worse and worse until you're great. It's bizarre, and it's, I find that to be true in practice as well. I think so, and I think we should. So the the problem here. So, firstly, in in broad strokes, I tend to ignore these people, and I tend not to kind of put up with their nonsense because it's just not worth the time of day. But Lachlan says that this is a friend of his, so this isn't as simple as just like stop talking to this person. How do you tell a friend to pull their head out of their bum and recognize that they actually need to improve as a magic player rather than? complain and get salty about their losses it's a very tough thing to have to do i don't i don't know if you can actually change these kind of people's minds honestly because there's a go ahead i think it depends on your relationship with them because what i would do in this situation i think is lead by example like i would start talking about my losses and talk about oh man but if i'd done this and 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 recognize like sort of broadcast that i'm not ashamed of having lost as long as i learned something from it like show that it's not something that you need to necessarily hide with a you know enough salt to melt an iceberg. Yeah, like here's the thing: like these, you have to just understand that, like Riley, you're a decent magic player, right? Mm, that's generous of you, Dennis. Thank you. Right, but let's say let's say you're a decent magic player. Okay. If you were to play like John Finkel, yeah, a hun- in a hundred games of like Heads Up Standard or whatever, or Heads Up Modern, or whatever you want, yes. John Finkel's not going to win a hundred of those games. No, certainly not. I mean, he might win know, eighty of them. Might win, might win. Yeah, exactly. Like a good. I mean, the best players in the world, their win percentages is like in in the low sixties. Exactly. So, like, you have to accept that if you're going to be a, a proper. And that also is a useful thing to accept, just as general life advice. In life, as well. exactly. This was something that I emphasized when I was teaching kids in primary school. I would talk about. The, I, I would. I would more or less teach them how to lose. And one thing I was really proud of by the end of a year with these kids is they would often when they were playing against each other in anything like we do little maths challenges or spelling bees or whatever else like that they'd shake hands and say gg and it just oh it melted mm. my heart it was so cute i love getting these because at that sweet. age they don't know that that's not a normal that's a very like that's a very sort of gamer centric thing to say but these little eight-year-olds are just thinking that's what adults do and it's oh, it was so gorgeous it was very cute but like, I, I genuinely do think it's a very good way to frame decisions in your life. And Lachlan, even if you can't get through to your friend, hopefully the people listening will try and take this this on. as Because this is a advice that's actually very positively impacted my life. Mm. It's that you should always try and just make the best decision with the information you're given. And yeah. understand that there are always factors. And sometimes these factors are the majority of the things that, you know affect the outcome but there are always factors that you can't control and you have to accept that you can't control them. this is something that people talking about in poker a lot it's called getting your money in good where if you've played your your hand of poker correctly to the point where you are quote unquote likely to win the pot 
that's that's where you cut that's the cutoff point that you've won at that stage whether you actually win or not is pretty immaterial now in 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 game theory like it's material into whether or not you're going to use that money to pay your rent or whatever obviously but in terms of the way you affect that you make decisions in your life you should try and make correct decisions with the information you have that give you the best chance of getting the outcome you want regardless of what's going on outside one thing I think, I mean, that that's, you know, you, you're, what you're saying is very true. Like, once you get to the point where you can't control the outcome anymore, you have to let go and, and just, yeah, roll with the punches. But the other thing that Lachlan needs to help his friend do here is take responsibility. I'm kind of reading mm-hmm. into this a little bit. I don't know if this is 100% the case, but it sounds to me like this, this mate of his isn't ready to accept responsibility for his own mistakes and his own failings. And the thing is, I mean, the Kings of Convenience said it better than anyone else. Failure is always the best way to learn. Whenever you stuff something up, it's an opportunity for you to look at it and go, what could have I done differently and what could have I done for, for next time? And I was, I was watching Wyatt Darby's stream one time when he pointed out that there's all you can always play another game of Magic. You can always play another game of Magic. So getting mm-hmm. hung up on a loss for the sake of it and beating yourself up about it or making yourself feel bad or just projecting negativity onto other people because of it, it's, it's, it's pointless. It's a useless waste of time. If you use it instead... If you harness that energy to instead say, right, I'm going to improve myself, I'm not going to play into that card, or I'm going to play around this 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 ability, or, or whatever it is, you end up just making things better for everyone, your friends because they don't have to put up with you being a salt lord, and yourself because you become a better player. You've got to take responsibility for, I mean, not just your victories, but you've also got to take responsibility for your losses. I mean, that, what you said there is very true about uh, about failing. Like my fam, my family is um, is from Croatia, and I was born over there. And there's an old saying that my dad used to always say from from quote unquote back home. And I don't know where the origin of the saying is, basically, but it's the idea is that you can never learn a lesson from watching somebody else get whipped. And that's kind of what you're, well, kind of what we're talking about here. Like, there's something very the, the there's a very powerful lesson to be learned in messing something up yourself. You can learn more from your own mistakes than you ever could from anyone else's. And I think the other that that's very true. And the other thing here is that Lachlan's friend seems to think he he has an entitlement. You, we we see the word deserve here in inverted mm. commas in the question and. This this is this is a very dangerous mentality to have. The idea because do you know where this leads to? This leads to cheating. This is the every yes. every there are so and this is something that actually maybe Lachlan, if you really you know want to step up to the plate here, this is something you could actually address if you want to take the bull by the horns and address this with your friend. This is going to be a this can be a very big thing because so many cheaters come out after having said after having been caught typically and try to explain or contextualize why they've cheated and so many of them say the same thing they say i was losing games that i felt i deserved to win round one of a of a grand prix or round three of a grand prix they're playing against some you know fnm hero with their homebrew deck and they lose because they didn't have the right side and they're like oh i should i didn't I, you know i'm a better player than them. i deserve to win and so they start yeah so i should this- cheat to sort of bring the fabric of the universe back to where it should be sitting or whatever to bring the results in line with reality the better player wins and 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 that may be true maybe you are the better player and maybe you lost because of you know the matchup or the variance or whatever else they're like that but this is a very shaky ground having this entitled the feeling of entitlement towards winning and this is a bit of a red flag for me dennis now the more that i think about it here this this might be the sort of on-ramp to that slippery slope towards being like oh well you know, I'll I'll just I'll I mean I don't know. I was trying to think of a an easily executable cheat there. I don't know the lap zone. I don't know whatever you're going to use yeah, sure. there. But that's but that's a very bad. That's a very very bad direction for your for your friend's head to be uh, to be heading there. So I think there's two, and we we kind of gone in circles a little bit. And there's there's two main strands here, which is that Lachlan's friend thinks they deserve 
that you know think they deserve to beat some certain opponents, mm-hmm. which puts a ceiling on their improvement as a magic player overall. Um, because they're like, oh, why would I bother trying to be better if I if I lose to Riley? It's just because it's you know some nonsense and Riley and I deserve to beat Riley, so whatever. And I think mm-hmm. that attitude is detrimental to improving. And then second of all, let's say even if they did quote unquote deserve, if there was like some kind of cosmic grading system where they're. 800 points good at magic and their opponent is 600 good points at magic and they did deserve to beat them that the blues that the, the worst player wins pretty often like yeah. that's the game that's a good thing about magic magic is designed that way on purpose yeah it's it's not like chess it's not you know, chess where there's, where there's no hidden information there's no or super smash brothers when you and i play well listen that i don't think also i mean uh, dennis i will tell you this if i could cheat at super smash brothers oh my goodness me if i could <laughs> If I could game shark my way into into winning games of Super Smash Brothers against you, have we talked about this in the podcast already? I don't know. I think we might have. I mean, the the fact that you are the actual worst possible skill level of Super Smash Brothers. Have we talked about this? Well, th- this is true. I am I am the least useful amount of good at Super Smash Brothers. It is so truly you're a not curse. bad. I mean that with with not a stretch of irony at all. A lot of people think that I'm trying to say that you're bad. You're not bad. You're very mm. good, but you're the mm-hmm. worst possible level of good at Super Smash Brothers because you're too good to beat me. Or sorry, you're too good to lose to me. You beat me every single time, but you're still too bad to play competitively or tournaments. Oh yeah, not even close. I would get yeah. trashed if I tried to play in a tournament, or even if I tried to play against randoms online. It's like I'm not good enough for that, but I'm better than almost any of my friends. So the people, the circle of people I can play Smash Brothers against is very small. Yeah, yeah, and I've been. I was, you know. I was training against level nine Ikes to try to beat you because you only play Ike because you're, you're absolutely. You're just going to out me as an Ike man uh, like that? I'm, on the I, you know what? You brought this upon yourself, Dennis. I have no uh. shame for you. I have no shame. No, no, no. I've got no sympathy. You decided that you were going to pick the bloke with the biggest sword who, as you say, his up B has, or his up A has a, 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 a hitbox the size of a, of a, it's got its own postal code, as you yeah, keep yeah, on yeah. reminding me. It's really good. The up Every smash. time you counter any of my moves, you move over to me, you go, gotcha, right in gotcha. my ear. I do do that in, in human life, in real life. Yeah, it's really good. It's this awful. is like you want to play Smash, man. It's terrible. And the thing is, like, <laughs> I've been trying, I've been trying to figure out how to beat you. I'm trying to play very defensively because I play Link. So I'm trying to keep you at, uh, keep you at a distance. Use projectiles, boomerang, arrows, knockback, bomb bombs to edge guard, that sort of stuff like that. But your stupid side B just means that I can, you can close any distance. Oh, it's so good. Truly, as as intended, works as no, intended. No, it's awful. It's awful. I don't know. Like I, I I don't know why I have such a mental block with beating Ike as well because I'm not bad at Super. I'm not great, but I'm not bad at Super Smash Brothers. But I just have this this. I got in your head, now. man. I got in your head. You've just opened up a timeshare in my brain zone, and I hate it. So, and Lachlan, oh, maybe man. the solution here is to challenge this guy to smash, pick Ike, and then just can't you can't possibly lose. You can't possibly lose because you're just going to side B. You're going to up B. You're going to just absolutely. Oh, can I tell him as well what happened last time when we? You know when we were playing? <laughs> this is terrible. So we were playing, right? We were playing a couple of games together. This is in I was just, Seattle. Come this is in Seattle, and I was just hating it. Like I was just <laughs> absolutely hating it. But the thing is, like I was playing because I knew Dennis was enjoying himself, and you know I, I didn't want to sort of be a party pooper. But after about five or six games of just losing like you know three one or three oh or whatever i said dennis like how about we change characters right Mm -hmm. how about we change characters and i was going to try to pull the fast one because like i'm the one losing so i was just going to go and play like toon link or something which is just link with minor changes with very small changes but then you you just went straight to math which is basically (laughs) just ike with a smaller sword yeah and I still won. And you still absolutely <laughs> crushed me. It was horrendous. So that plan didn't work. I need to get you on like Yoshi or Luigi or something that's just completely different. 
Oh, here's the other thing. I um, so Mashi Scanlon, who you all know from Magic TV back in the day, and from Magic FM currently, yep, our the our, sis- yep. our sister podcast, I would suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pushing him to buy Smash for a while because he has a Switch and he uses it when he travels a lot. And I was like, oh, dude, is this but- the message he sent you? This yeah, is so like, good. Dude- this is so funny. <laughs> me and James as well, one of the guys from CB Events, were like, dude, you got to buy Smash. It's great fun. It's really, really good. We'll play together. It'll be great. Yada, yada. And eventually he, he caves and he buys it. And then I get a text in Seattle from Mashi at, I don't know, 10 o'clock or whatever that just says, what is this game? I don't understand any of this. What is going on? You owe me $60. <laughs> Which is oh, just so dear. good. It is an incomprehensible mess to anyone. But the thing is, okay, look, to bring this back, to bring this back to the question here. Magic teaches you, I think magic teaches you a lot of different life skills. Magic, has, really ta- magic has, has taught me, and I, I mean this without a shred of irony, magic has taught me some of the most valuable life lessons I've ever learned. Absolutely. And when I'm being absolutely pasted by you playing Ike, and when I'm sitting there playing, it's like, I'm not sitting there being like, oh, Dennis is getting lucky. Oh, you know, this, these characters suck, anything else. I'm saying, right. no, there is no, like, 1v1 matchup in any Super Smash, any, any configuration of Super Smash Brothers, at our level of play, where one character can't beat another character. Yeah, the tier the tier lists don't apply to us like. because we're just not we're just not good enough, right? Mm. So, if that's true, the reason I'm losing is because of me. It is one hundred percent on me that I am losing these games of Magic or the games of Super Smash Brothers, and recognizing that is the first step to becoming better. You know, you can go and watch YouTube tutorials. You can go and talk to your friends who are maybe a little bit better and you can learn from them and that sort of stuff. They're like that. But Lachlan, what your friend needs to do is take ownership of his failures, of his mistakes. Get out of this mindset that you deserve anything because you don't deserve anything when you sit yeah, down to play a game. You have, to, you have to push pride out of it. And that is, re- and, and in Lachlan's friend's defense, that is very, very difficult to do. It's a very difficult thing to do, but magic will teach you how to do it. You need to learn how to lose humbly and with respect and also with a desire. Because clearly this person wants to be the best magic player they can. Clearly their motivation is they in the care, right place. Yeah. So they need to harness that motivation as a, as a, as a force for self-improvement, not to tear down others with, uh, with misguided thoughts about what, what they deserve. And, and especially not the salt. There's no need to be a salt miner and, and make everyone else in the room feel miserable. There is an old episode of Limited Resources. Um, yes, in episode 226 that I think Lachlan can recommend his friend listen to, which is about being rotty or, you know, results-oriented thinking. Okay. Which is what's going on here, which is that the opponent thinks that because they are the better player, they should win. That's not the case. No. Because if, even, if they are the, even if they are the better player, they should make all their decisions better, but that's not the same thing as winning. And that's kind of what I was talking about with poker, and that's what Brian and Marshall talked about on that episode. So, Lachlan, I, would rec- I honestly would recommend that you're, you try to push your friend to listen to that episode. Let's, let's wrap this up with an, an, a sort of an admission here, Dennis, because this is going to be tough. It's a tough conversation to have with your friend. Mm-hmm. If you're close with this person, if you want to have an ongoing like positive relationship with them, this is going to be a tough conversation to have. But... He, here's my here's my point to you, Lachlan, and here's my point to anyone who is is struggling. You know, a lot of Magic players, a lot of people struggle with social interactions like this. Struggle with confrontation and, and standing up to uh, you know to someone who is maybe being a bit domineering in this way. Here's the choice: you either continue to put up with their nonsense, which is not going to change of their own accord, it seems, or you stand up and try to make something better. And the worst case scenario is you go back having this rubbish relationship with someone who just kind of pisses you off all the time. You don't really have yep. anything to lose by trying to talk to someone about this. And so for that reason, you know, the correct play, if we want to bring it back to magic terms, is 
to go for it and, and, and try to improve this situation for both yourself and your friend. That's it for another episode of Scry Me a River. Dennis, it's been a lot of fun to hang out once again. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with another episode. A couple of quick housekeeping things to close out the show, of course. Uh, we want to thank Channel Fireball for their continued sponsorship of the show. It's great to have them on board. And, of course, make sure to go and check them out for, again, content of all of all varied levels. They sell a bunch of cards. They'll buy your cards off you. All sorts of stuff. ChannelFireball.com. Go and check them out. The other place I think you should go uh, if you've got uh, an interest in um, in any of the music that's used on uh, – well, not just Scrimey River. Basically, all of the content I put out, it all comes from this one guy, Joachim Karad. Joachim Karad is this uh, – he's, he's a European um, musician. He puts out all of his music that is completely copyright-free. Go and listen to all of it. It is it slaps, Dennis. It absolutely slaps. I can't it recommend slaps. His, I can't recommend his stuff enough. And of course, the final thing we want to remind you: please do send in those questions, quandaries, and queries at Radic Retail for me, at Stranjack for Dennis. Slide into those DMs or mm-hmm. uh, or just or just post them. You can at us as well, and uh, and you might hear us uh, answer that question on the show. All right. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me, and I'm excited to do it all again next week. Absolutely. We'll look look forward to your company. You, that's right. I'm not talking to any other listener, just you. Just you today, right here, right now, listening to this podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you back here next week for more Scry River. Take care until then. 